Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant, creator of the thought process of strategic thought leadership. And this episode is about accessing and amplifying motivation with guest Sarah Stones of Plain Sailing Motivation. What this episode will do for you is it'll help you gain insights into motivation and discover the expertise of Sarah Stones, coach motivational specialist and NLP master practitioner on intrinsic motivation and its impact on personal and organizational success. Help you unlock self-awareness and understand the significance of self-awareness and emotional intelligence in identifying what truly motivates you and how to leverage those factors for peak performance. To apply practical techniques like calibrating your past peak motivational experiences, mind mapping, and gratitude journaling to enhance motivation and create positive change in your life, and to uncover hidden potential, recognize the power of asking the right questions, working with a coach or consultant sometimes to reveal hidden blind spots, tap into hidden potential, and accelerate personal growth. Now, before we dive more deeply, just a reminder about what this podcast is for. Thought Leadership Studio is a workshop in strategic positive influence. So you can consider this podcast an ongoing workshop to help you attain even more peak performance in your thought leadership. Think of the episodes as your library for self-training as a high-performing thought leader. And before I dive into this further, I want to remind you that if you're listening on an app, check out the link in the episode description and that will take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com which has extra resources, a different perspective that which fits better on a web page than on an audible podcast episode to fill out your learning in this area as well as links to some free offers. So in this episode of Thought Leadership Studio, we are excited to introduce Sarah Stones, founder of UK-based Plain Sailing Motivation, coach, motivation specialist, and NLP master practitioner. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. Thought Leadership Studio. So I'm your host, 
of Thought Leadership Studio, Chris McNeil. And I'm sitting here across the Atlantic with Sarah Stones of Plain Sailing Motivation. And Sarah is a speaker, coach, motivation specialist, and NLP master practitioner. She worked in HR for over 20 years before setting up her own business in 2015 after overcoming breast cancer and realizing that life is too short to not be doing something you love. Sarah combines her HR experience and her knowledge of intrinsic motivation, something important to thought leadership, obviously. Appreciative inquiry in positive psychology with a practical solutions-focused approach. Uh, she works with organizations to develop their knowledge of intrinsic motivation. And she's passionate about educating people about motivation. And we're gonna go into a lot of this during our talk. So. Welcome, Sarah. Glad to be speaking with you. Lovely to speak to you today, Chris, too. Well, we know a little bit about you and this, the origin of plain sailing motivation. Uh, but why don't we start with the inspirational moment? What happened inside of you or outside of you or a combination that was the trigger that set you in the direction of founding this organization and becoming a motivational specialist? It was a really, I can tell you exactly the minute. Uh, I'd always gone into jobs throughout my career, loved them for the first two years, and then ended up feeling like, oh, was I in the right job? What was happening? And I would think about, am I in the wrong career? And there was a real pattern to this. And somebody said to me, let's look at what motivates you. I'm using this new tool called the Motivational Map. And when I read that um, my report, all the light bulbs went off because it suddenly made sense of this pattern throughout my career. Uh, and knowing that actually for the first two years in a row, my need to make a difference which is one of my key motivators. And I also need to be thinking of creative solutions and problem solving. That was always met within the first two years. And then I would reach this stage where I was... What I now recognise, I was bored. Mm -hmm. And so... And over the years, I've done lots of personality profiles and used lots of different tools in my HR career. But nobody had talked to me about, let's think about what motivates you, what gives you the energy. And we like cars, really. If you took a brand new car to the garage to fill it up with fuel, but you didn't know which fuel to put in it. You wouldn't 
get very far, would you? Right. And so it's the discovery, the insight of the factors that brought out the best in you, that led yeah. to a highly motivated state, making a difference yeah. being one of those. And, and that enabled you to re-engineer your life to put those factors around you. Exactly. And I realized that actually I didn't know much about motivation. And that was eight years ago. So actually since then, it's been developing my expertise in this area and sharing it with others and seeing what a huge impact it makes in so many different areas of life, whether it's supporting our sales teams or whether it's supporting ourselves or our teams or our organisations. So thinking about the listener who might be wondering, so what does this mean to me? Obviously, I'd like to be more motivated. Wouldn't we all like to be highly motivated and focus that motivation on a direction that's meaningful to us? So what, where we're going or where we're leaving away from both propel us along a path that has meaning to us. And the use of tools like this questionnaire, like you had me do, which I thought was really interesting, is one way to start to maybe discover things that were unconscious before and make them conscious so you can utilize those and organize those to make your life more effective. Yeah. We talk about the... So we can either use the tool, which is amazing, and you saw it just takes 10 minutes to fill it in. But actually, if we look at the different motivators, so Dan Pink, in his work, he brought out three main motivators, didn't he, which were autonomy, purpose, and uh me auto mastery mm -hmm. sorry um but the model that i think is more accurate actually identifies nine motivators so there's another six on top of those three that dumping identified and i think when we are thinking about what people need to give them energy. Um, most organisations, I was reading an article only yesterday about with people resigning so much at the moment, organisations are making counter-offers in terms of increased salary. And whilst we know that is important, particularly with the cost of living as it is at the moment, it's very rare that the 
money is one of our key motivators. It is important and we've got to acknowledge that, but there's other things that I think we're missing the trick if we're not looking at can we increase, uh, give this person more opportunity to be involved in problem solving, it, can we give them more freedom and independence? Do they, are people leaving because they are missing out on those really important relationships at work? Some people go to work to get the job done, but for some people, those relationships are so important. And those are just three of another three of the motivators. That's such an interesting insight. And I remember a study that supports that, that when you asked people what they thought motivated others in a job, money was the top. But when you ask people what motivates you, it was like number six. Yeah. Not that money's not important. And certainly the lack of money is or being underpaid can be extremely demotivating. But once it's fair, then there's so many other factors. And I, I understand sometimes the system conditions of organizations can block things like autonomy and self-actualization and relationships. And I, I often talk so um, with my career coaching, Sometimes it's not possible for people to move to a new organisation at that current time. But we talk about job crafting. So taking that responsibility on and thinking, actually, the, the organisation maybe isn't meeting all of my motivators, but actually, how can I do that myself? So even if the organization's environment doesn't support it, of course, we have some level of control over organising yeah. our work within that. Just my, my organisational development brain jumps right to, wow, if we could just remove all the things that block self-actualization and productivity can leap up, but that's sometimes counterintuitive to top-down thinking uh, and, yeah. and organizational command and control type thinking. It, it is, uh, has a fear of giving people too much autonomy, uh, but don't your customers want to work with highly motivated people who enjoy their jobs? Doesn't that show in your customer service? Completely. And um, when we look at, there's a lovely um, graphic that I've got that shows we can have all of the skills. So if we had nine out of ten of all the skills that we needed, but if we're only five out of 10 on our level of motivation, mm -hmm. the impact on our performance and our achievement as individuals is tremendous. So even just put it, pushing that motivation up by 
two or three points can make a huge difference to the performance overall of the organisation. Um, but also the other thing about that and something that's really important to me is to think about our mental health and well-being. And I don't know about in the States, I'm assuming that it's very similar over there to the UK and that actually it's a real issue at the moment. Absolutely. And I have yet to meet anybody with a high level of motivation and a low level of mental health and well-being. So if we are supporting somebody's motivation, by default, we're supporting their mental health and well-being. So how would you contrast someone who's a 10 on motivation with someone in the same role who's more like a five? What are the differences that you would see if you were observing this person doing their work or going about their life that would lead you to say they're a 10 on motivation versus a five? How would you know that? Good question. And actually, sometimes you wouldn't be able to see that, which is why when I'm working with clients, I use this tool because lots of people, we just don't see what's going on below. It's a bit like an iceberg, isn't it? We see that top little bit, but we don't see all the stuff that's beneath the surface. So some of it you could see, but a lot of it is beneath the surface, but questions could elicit answers. What kind of what kind of questions would delineate between a five or a, a ten on motivation? So I I think we spoke earlier about NLP. Mm -hmm. And I think when you got some of this emotional intelligence skills, which is so important for leadership. Um, I think you can you can see, and it's about asking the right questions, isn't it? Um, what I wouldn't say is that there are magic questions mm -hmm. because it's a bit like in coaching someone will say oh what's the best coaching question well actually the right coaching question in the right place can be any number of questions it's it's being aware of where that other person is and just asking the question that is right in that moment. Well, isn't that the value that of the coach? Sense? 
Sorry. That's okay. I say, wasn't that the value of a coach or a consultant who has both a large toolkit of questions to ask and also the awareness and experience to see blind spots? Yeah. And and seeing those blind spots and asking the right questions might fold time for this individual and save them years of trial and error experience of getting to the same place. And something that I, I've used and I've, I've worked with sports psychology a good bit, I actually worked with a sports psychologist who had trained with two U.S. Olympic teams. So he was high up and he was wow. familiar with NLP. He was trained in Ericksonian hypnotherapy, which is a lot of where NLP comes from. And we talked about the use of scales of um, calibrating by asking when was the time because most people have had experience even if they're not highly motivated now sometime in their life they've had an experience where they're really motivated they're in the zone they're focused they're highly energized they feel a lot of meaning in what they're doing they're very immersed in it and in enjoying the process while working at peak effort that kind of that zen state of effortless effort of being in in the zone or in the flow state so to speak so the kind of questionnaire would have people calibrate and think well think of a time you're at a 10 or even if you don't think you've ever been at a 10 call it an eight and contrast that when times you were less motivated and the sports psychologist actually had a visualization exercise of imagining a scale and I use for weight training and I turn the scale up to a 10 to do a heavy set of squats and I feel my focus narrowing and my energy rising up and my muscles tensing until I was just like a peak of energy that I would put into that set but then turn it back down to relax and recover more quickly after that so what do you think about the use of self-referencing um, from someone's life experience their personal history to discover times when they were highly motivated and learn from those times yeah i i know i can use that with clients because we tend to we go through life don't we and we forget about those peak moments and if we think about what was going on uh, and actually let's break that down and think about what so when we've got the picture in our minds uh, and the feeling of what was going on let's really look at okay so what what created that picture and that feeling and then can we use the things that created that in going forward and supporting our current motivation so remembering your personal peak experiences of motivation baking an inventory which I imagine like a mind mapping exercise might work well for that. Or you can just do yes. a mind map of what's going on, what you're thinking and what you're feeling, what was going on in your life. Maybe you had a coach at that time, or maybe you had a certain goal that you're working for and just mind map it out and maybe doing several different ones so you can look for what's common 
and consistent in your different peak experiences, something like that? Yeah, and journaling can really help because I think if we think about what has drained us, I mean, when we think about it, we plug our phone in every evening, don't we? Right. We we are just like phones. We need to be filling ourselves with the right sort of energy, the same as our cars. Um, and actually, if we know that being with other people is really important for us, and maybe we're still working from home, let's make sure that we get out and we meet other people, even if it's just going to the local mall for some milk and making sure that we're talking to the people rather than just going in and buying it and leaving. Let's just think about what we can do each day just so that those different motivators can be met. And I think what you've just said about being able to identify them it's so important. Yeah, I'm a habitual journaler. I have been my whole adult life. It's both in my conscious life and there's times I've dream journaled too. I think we can learn a lot from the metaphorical language of the unconscious mind and how it communicates to us in dreams through journaling as well. I don't always do that, but sometimes I do. And it's always been really valuable. Because when you look back and you see patterns or you have a, a stage in your life where you're really you're being a peak performer and everything's flowing and all the things you work for are coming, your dreams are coming to life and you're bringing them to life and enjoying that, you may not be as conscious in the moment of all the things that helped you did to bring that about without the journaling to remind you of that. Yeah, yeah. It's journaling and uh, I positive psychology is so important as well. Um, Martin Seligman's work on the PERMA model and one of the key things from that is the keeping a gratitude diary, mm-hmm. writing down three things every day that made you smile, that you're grateful for. And the science behind that, it shows that if you've done that for 30 days, the benefit of that lasts for three months. And it's all about training our brains to look out for those positive experiences. So it could be seeing a a daffodil out in spring. It could be just hearing a child's laughter. It could be something that's really important to you, but it doesn't have to be huge 
events, it's just small ones, and you can do that in a online or in a book. I like to keep a, a book by the side of my bed mm -hmm. because every time you pick it up, you tend to flick through other pages. So, and whenever you, our brains don't know the difference between imagination and reality, do they? That's so right. Every time you read something in your book that's made you smile on another day, you're getting that extra hit of dopamine and serotonin. That makes sense. And from a couple of points of view, and one might be, I like the act of physically writing it, even though it's convenient and I use a computer for most things. So I use a stylus with the computer for journaling and do it in handwriting because it becomes a kinesthetic anchor to yeah. that sense of gratitude that you can tap into and draw from. And another thing I'm getting is just the act of training your mind to put aside the filters to the things that we appreciate in life. Maybe also opens you up so that you are just more in a state of receiving the goodness of life continuously. Yeah, completely. It's really interesting. So before Seligman started studying what we need for a positive mental health, the only studies that had ever taken place were about poor mental health, and he's identified the um, positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and achievement of the five uh, elements of his PERMA model and it fits so well with motivation because it's all about giving us energy and supporting ourselves to, to being a positive mindset. That's excellent. And these, I'm speaking to the listener now, these are references that I will link to on the episode page. So if you're listening to this on an app, there's a link to the episode page where I'll link to Sarah's resources, as well as some of these references in positive psychology, NLP motivation that we're talking about. And Sarah, that's one of the things that attracted me to the sports psychology aspect of psychology, because it was about not just fixing what was broken, but extending human performance, tapping mm -hmm. into untapped potential, finding out how high is high, how far can we go? And you, the mind is so malleable when you apply mental training, it seems like the sky's the limit. But that was different. And that's one of the things that also, like you, I've got into the field of NLP, which one of the things that Richard Bandler told us was that 
psychology was at the time just studying what was broken and all that can tell you is how to recreate that state of being broken instead study the people who used to be broken and got better and find out that pattern or the patterns of high achievers of people who can continuously replicate the kinds of states of excellence that we're talking about because excellence is a state of consciousness and we've all had times in our lives where we felt that excellence state that flow state a state of high expectation of success and immersion in something contributing to something meaningful that we're working to accomplish and the joy that comes with that and because we've experienced it once if we discovered a formula with things like these tests you're talking about the right questions the right analysis to recreate these scenarios that are triggers for our our own excellence states or whatever we would call those then we can have those more consistently and so every day becomes more like your best day is that kind of where we're going completely and that's why I also love appreciative inquiry. So appreciative inquiry is looking at what's good and taking what's really working from that and applying it to other parts of our work rather than focusing on, so for example, if someone's not doing a, a good job, we send them on a training course. Well, why don't we look at what they are good at and let them do more of that? And so, and actually that's likely to be something that motivates them. And then actually let's get someone else in the team who's much better at this other thing and let them do it. Let's work out our, and use all of our strengths. An appreciative inquiry is let's look at what's going well within an organisation and let's really dig down into how that is working well and then let's take that and apply it to areas of the organization where we need to make improvements that's awesome and uh, peter drucker the management thinker and writer would agree with that because i remember in his writings he talked so much about building on strength and the purpose of a team was to make individual weaknesses redundant because you're building on each person's strength and create a symbiotic team so your business has all the strengths it needs yeah um so can you tell us a story about someone or some organization that with which you had a positive impact using these kinds of tools and ways of thinking that we're talking about Yes, the one that comes to mind is actually when I was working with some young people who were not in education or employment or training. 
and um, we, I went in with a colleague actually, and we were doing some work, and there was this one young man there who was not giving any eye contact, wouldn't engage, was really not in a very good place. Uh, and throughout the day, I, I normally am someone that sort of can really get in and talk to people, but he really wasn't in that place to engage with. Um, and we'd done a report for him, and we discovered that his top three motivators, so his top three sources of energy, were learning, making a difference for others, and engaging with other people. And of course, the impact of him being in such a dark place was meaning that he wasn't doing any of those things. And so it was like a, a decreasing spiral. And at the end of the day, when we talked about people's reports and he gained the insight into why he was feeling the way that he was feeling, he actually said that it was the single most important thing that he'd ever done. And it made him realise what he had to do to help reverse that declining spiral. And so working with the people within his organisation, who also then knew the best way to support him, he went on and flourished and went off to university, which is what his dream was, and it enabled him to achieve that. Wow, and what a wonderful experience of unlocking someone's hidden assets and hidden reserves so they flourish. That's a wonderful mm. story. This has been enlightening, Sarah. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with me and our audience. What would be the top three things that you would recommend that one of our listeners do to increase their motivation or to become more aware of where they're at in order to self-adjust it, first of all? And second, how would someone reach you to find out more about you and what you do in your services? Okay, so the top three things, I would say keep a diary for a week or a couple of weeks and really make note, think about your telephone. Let it, when you're plugging your phone in, which I'm sure everybody does on a regular basis, mm -hmm. think about 
actually what filled your batteries up that day, but also think about what's depleted them as well. Because we can't always do stuff that motivates us. But once you've thought about what gives you energy, then you can plan your days and either break down those jobs that don't give you energy into smaller packages so that you do them for shorter periods and follow them with something that does fill your energy up or do them at certain times of day so that you can follow them with things that you really enjoy doing. So I don't know whether that's one or two, Chris. The <laughs> final one is really to um, make sure that you also um, keep an eye on whether the type of energy you need changes because sometimes our changing circumstances we can be for example in a job that we've enjoyed for years nothing has changed with the job but it may be that your motivators have changed. So keep an eye on what you're what you need to keep you motivated and to make sure that you're building that into your daily schedule. Excellent. And how would someone reach you to find out more about your work and to inquire if they want your services? So I'm on LinkedIn, so it's Sarah Stones. I'm on uh, Twitter and my website is plain sailing motivation.co.uk. Fantastic. And I will link to all this on the episode page, which again is linked to in the episode description. This has been a pleasure, Sarah. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And uh, this has been very motivating. I'm going to go right into doing some of the things we talked about. Right. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. My, my pleasure. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thought Leadership Studio. So this has been Thought Leadership Studio, Episode 49. Accessing and Amplifying Motivation with Sarah Stones of Plain Sailing Motivation. Gaining insight into motivation, unlocking self-awareness, and uncovering hidden potential. 
I'm your host, Chris McNeil. I hope this has been as enlightening and motivating for you as it has been for me, although I know much of the motivation that can come from this is putting these things into practice. The journaling, perhaps taking one of these tests that we discussed to start to discover these factors inside and outside of yourself that tend to be there during times when you feel highly motivated so that you can consciously recreate these factors and set them up and direct them towards what you want to achieve. So if you're listening on an app, make sure you click on the link in the episode description. Check out the episode page. It's got links to a lot of the things that we discussed. It's got links to Sarah Stone's resources. And it also has a link to the free Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership to help you with the building blocks of your own strategic thought leadership. Again, I'm your host, Chris McNeil. Appreciate you listening. Look forward to seeing you here on Thought Leadership Studio next week. Have a great week. Thought Leadership Studio.